Now, grab your Bibles uh, and open them up to the Gospel of John, chapter 6. And let me read you my text, which won't take long. It's only one verse. Uh, It's a a statement that comes out of the mouth of the Savior in Joel, chapter 6, verse 35. And in that statement, in that verse, Jesus says this. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God, that word endures forever. Guys, my original intention was to take that verse, that is uh, John 6, 35, and to use it this month and in next month's Lord's Supper service. I was going to use it twice, back to back. But I just couldn't bring myself to skip over a very substantial uh, insight in the text. And the reason that I was going to skip over it is because I've already taught it. I've taught it on Wednesday nights. I'm not sure I've ever taught it in this room, but I, I know I've taught it in, on Wednesday nights. But I thought, well, um, other folks need to hear it as well. And so instead of two months... We're going to use this statement, John 6, 35, for three months, Lord willing, now and in September and October. Now, that substantive part of the text that I did not want to skip takes us all the way back to an Old Testament story recorded for you in Exodus 3. Many of you know this story. You remember it was Moses who had had to flee Egypt because he had murdered an Egyptian soldier. And he's on the backside of a mountain tending the handful of sheep that he owned. And um, he notices that there's a bush. And there's a bush on fire and it's not being consumed. And he thought that was rather interesting. So he goes over to check it out. And as he gets closer to the bush, the bush talks. The bush says, take your your sandals off, you're on holy ground. And so he does. So the bush keeps talking and and the bush says, "Uh, I want you to go back to Egypt And I want you to uh, go to Pharaoh and I want you to tell him that I said, let my people go and I want you to lead my people out of this house of bondage. So they have a little dialogue, Moses and the bush. And um, and then Moses says, um, um, all right, if I do this, um, who will I say to Pharaoh sent me? When he asked me, who sent you to say this, what do I tell him? And many of you know God's reply to Moses' question. Uh, God replies with a very famous statement, uh, and he names himself something that has come to be known as the Hebrew Tetragrammaton. It's called tetra because it's got four consonants to it. It's yod heh vav heh in Hebrew. And um, if you were to put it in English, it would be Y-H-V-H, which is very hard to say. So if you'll insert some vowels in there, it'll it'll turn into something like this. Yahweh. Tell them Yahweh sent you, which most of you know is the uh, first person singular of the verb to be in Hebrew. It's the um, first person singular, that is I, 
and of the verb to be, am. Tell them, when you get to back to Egypt, tell them that I am sent you. Now, um, several thousand years later, a group of scholars translated the Old Testament into Greek. You know, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, and so these scholars, 70, 72 of them, translated the Old Testament text in Hebrew into Greek. And they come to this statement in Exodus 3, where they find the Hebrew tetragrammaton. And they say, um, okay, how are we going to translate that into Greek? And they come up with a little phrase in Greek called ego eimi. Actually, ego means I. Eimi is the first person singular of the verb to be. And you really don't need the ego because it's almost as if it's I, I am in Greek. It's for emphasis. But gang, the point is, when the Septuagint got ready to translate Yahweh from the Hebrew, they used the words ego me. Still with me? Which brings us to the text. Did you notice John 6, 35? And Jesus said unto them, I am. And guess what's there in Greek? Ego me. Do you know what Jesus is doing here? He is saying to his primarily Jewish audience, you know that one that spoke from that bush that was burning to Moses back on the backside of Midian? Do you remember that, guys? That was me. And, and just in case they were confused and were somewhat uncertain about it all, Jesus clears up all uncertainty in John chapter 8, verse 58, when he says, Before Abraham was, Ego me, I am. He doesn't say, before Abraham was, I was. He says, before Abraham was, I am. Because Jesus is taking for himself the name that God gave to himself back in Exodus chapter 3. Because the God who spoke to Moses in Exodus 3 is the God that is speaking to this audience in John chapter 6. Now, one other thing, we'll, we'll, I'll be done. When God assigned that name to himself, I mean, he had millions of names that he could pick from. He could have called himself Almighty or um, the, the Powerful One. He could, have, he could have used any name. But a part of the genius of God is that he chose this one, the first person singular of the verb to be. I am. Now, what was he telling us about himself when he gave himself that name? What did he want us to know about him when he said, 
this is my name. Well, there's lots of things that we could draw from it, but let me mention three quickly. First of all, he is speaking towards or to his self-sufficiently, self-sufficiency. Nothing, um, nothing outside of him is necessary to sustain him. His person is self-sufficient. Secondly, it is communicating that he is independent. Gang, he depends on nothing outside of himself to support him. All, everything else is dependent. He only is independent. The, the universe is secondary and contingent. It is dependent upon him. And all of you or all of your children who lust after being independent, you're lusting after being God. That's what you really want. Because there's only one independent. And that's Yahweh. The third thing that he is communicating in that name is his eternality. God never had a beginning. God never has an end. He doesn't come into being, and he cannot go out of being because he is being. And when your children ask you, Mommy, Daddy, who made God? Here's the answer. Nobody. The Bible assumes his existence and opens this way. In the beginning, God. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that God, that triune God, is the one that invites you to meet him at this table. That God has gone to great lengths to provide everything necessary so that undeserving people like us could take advantage of a proffered forgiveness that we don't deserve. And so it is my privilege, in the name of Yahweh, the thrice holy God, to invite you. Come meet around this table as we celebrate the extremes to which he has gone to save us. Let's pray. Our Father, would you uh, remind us that you are a whole lot bigger than we've ever dreamed? Would you help us, would you give us larger hearts so that we might have a God who is, that we might contain or embrace a God who is beyond our wildest expectations and dreams? Father, we are a people who deserve nothing but judgment and wrath at your hand you have seen fit to plan a scheme of redemption so much of which is on display on the elements on this table remind your people of what you've done for them might we leave here a grateful and a humbled people we ask it of course in Jesus name amen